Hello and welcome to the Post and Post podcast. My name is Neil. I'm joined here with Brent. We're coming to you on a Sunday, March 24th, I think. Is it March 24th? Yeah, it is. March, March 24th. March 24th. For some people, the date still matters. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, March 24th. Uh, lots to talk about. We are really, really creeping up on the playoffs here. We have teams with maybe like five or six games left. Um, things are getting really tight in the East. Things are getting even more tighter in the West. We've got three teams in the West that are kind of really battling for a couple of spots there. Uh, we have, um, yeah, I would say probably three in the in the East as well. Things are a little bit more loose in the East as far as today when we're filming this. Um, but it's 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 really exciting. It's an exciting time of the year for hockey. It's I wouldn't say it's as exciting as the playoffs because nothing is more exciting than the playoffs. But uh, the the race to the playoffs in the final two weeks is never not exciting. Yeah, it's great. And this weekend or this day in particular um, in the East, without just getting into the team names because we'll talk about that to death here shortly. But the the two teams that are fighting over that eighth final wild card spot after tonight could be as close as one point apart or as far away as five points apart. How does that work? Because if Columbus loses in Vancouver and Montreal beats Carolina, then they actually have a five-point lead over Columbus, with Columbus only holding one game in hand. Okay. So. That, man, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that scenario from Columbus. <clears throat> like, that's not acceptable. It's unacceptable. Columbus has to get it done tonight in Vancouver. And or, Montreal has to lose. And Montreal has to lose to help Columbus do that because right now Montreal holds the, uh, they don't hold the tiebreaker, but they hold the advantage because at present, if Columbus wins all of the games in hand that they have, there's still a point behind Montreal. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I still don't think Montreal is going to make the playoffs. I still do think that Columbus is going to make it. They have an easier schedule. They do. Uh, Montreal has a really, really tough schedule coming yeah. up. So um, you'll probably see them flop a little bit. Um, but Yeah. Anyways, uh, lots to talk about today. I was going to do the game recaps and all that stuff first, but I actually want to talk about a few things. Just a quick, a couple of quick pointers real quick. Sure. Um, as far as clinched teams, as far as right now when we're filming this, there's there's a few teams that have already clinched a playoff spot. Uh, Tampa Bay, Boston, Winnipeg, Calgary, and San Jose are the teams. That is uh, correct. Officially listed by NHL.com. That's that, right. Uh, have clinched a spot. So huge news for Calgary there. They get uh, back in the playoffs, uh, which is amazing for the city. They, they're they having such a good year and uh, I'm really, really happy for the franchise and their fans. Winnipeg's back in as well. So that's huge news as well to, to get back in after their really, really great season last year and a bit of a run they went on uh, to the conference finals. To get, and, and they're playing some pretty strong hockey uh, lately. We saw that last night against Nashville. And uh, yeah, good good for San Jose as well to c- continue their. Oh man, San Jose's been playing pretty strong hockey for the past fifteen years or so. So yeah, the, and the best news of all for Calgary is if things don't go all crazy bad for them, uh, they're going to have home ice advantage in the West all the way to the uh, looks like they should conference final. Looks like they should. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's, yeah, that's really, a real positive. Really good news for Calgary for sure. Yeah. Uh, in other news, Chara, who is 42, has signed uh, a one-year extension for $2 million. What's your thoughts on this? I think it's great. It's I great for it him, too. and it's great for Boston, and it's great to get this locked down 
well before the end of the regular season. So you don't have that uncertainty. Is this Chara's last game if you're in the playoffs or something? You know it's not. Exactly. That's yeah. not on the issue anymore. At two million bucks for a guy who can, I think he got at least one goal or two yesterday. Nice one. He got one, I think, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's still, he's still worth it and good for them and good for him. Yeah. And he, and he brings a ton of experience too. Oh, yeah. Even just experience alone. It's kind of like Yager when he was starting to fade away. It's not, it's like 25% of what Yager used to be, but it's still Yager and his experience and he can, you know, mentor the young, young players and stuff. So I I think that's kind of what's going on with Chara and he's still an an athletic beast. He's in such good shape. Uh, I mean, he just fought someone the other night and, uh, tuned him up. So, uh, yeah, I really like this signing. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. And uh, it's a bargain. You could look at it as a bargain. Well, he was making five. I think he was making five. Yeah. 5.25 or something like that before. So he's taken a $3 million pay cap basically. So it's still good for, it's good for Boston. It's good for Char. It's good for the fans. And it, It's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's good for them. It, it's a, and it's really good that, that they've got him for next year. It's, it's an issue that's, that's out of mind right now. They can just go back to focusing on getting the best finish they can and uh, getting ready for Toronto. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Next quick topic, Don Cherry. Do you think that his suits are as silly or more silly than the Carolina celebrations? That's a very good question because I have largely agreed with Don Cherry in his criticism of the Carolina celebrations. And I've completely disagreed. You have. But uh, when you look at Don Cherry's attire, that can be considered fairly by a reasonable person to be just as, if not more bizarre than some of the, the antics that we see from some teams. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, that there's there's a I, I there's something think, to be said there. You I can't. Think. I don't think you can wear suits. Like, obviously, he, he is, but you, I don't. I don't think that you can. I don't think you can wear suits like that and criticize a team for being silly, and think that what you're wearing is okay. Like that's just something's not right up in, in up in the head. If you can, if you actually think that that what you're wearing isn't silly. But what they're doing is, I just think that's ridiculous. So uh, I think he's totally out to lunch there, and he just—he's getting himself in in trouble. Not not—he's not getting himself in trouble, but he's. How do I word this? Uh, he's. He's. He's making himself look a little silly. Yeah, he he, <laughs> a and, little silly, and not because he's. Yeah, and what he's silly. doing too is he's putting at risk, some of the credibility he has left. That's right. Um, and some people would say he has all kinds of credibility, and some would say that it's just a joke to have him there. Right. And most people are probably in between. Speaking of Don, did you happen to see Coach's Corner last night when you were uh, out uh, I saw it, but without audio, so okay. no. Um, I didn't see this in the broadcast itself, but they made mention of it. Uh, Ron brought it up. But you know how the LA Kings will have celebrities in the broadcast booth. Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy was there. Will Farrell playing the character Ron Burgundy. And I think if I heard it right, he did play by play for like the entire second period. Mm-hmm. And he was, re- I heard some clips. He was really good. He was funny. Yeah. He was really good. And he mentioned Don Cherry. Oh, did he really? Yeah. I forget the exact context, but they played that piece last night in Coach's Corner for Don to hear. Where And I don't know if you, I don't think he was talking about best dress, but he was talking about 
you know, greatest stars or some crazy thing. Oh, and of course you got to, you got to remember Don Cherry or something like that. So Don would love that because he's, he's a bit of a, a flower. He's, so. Yeah. He needs his ego yeah. pumped up a little bit. But, uh. <laughs> but Will Ferrell did a great job. And when he was actually doing the play by play and calling some breakaways and things, I was right in the moment. He was, he was better than Doc. He oh, was, definitely. He, yeah, I would great. listen to an entire game of, of that. So yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next quick topic, Edmonton. Have had, they've been struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% truth I need from you. Do you think it's the who's, – whose fault is it? Is it the players or is it the management? I still think it's the management. I'm thinking like 70-30. Yeah. 70 management, 30 players. Yeah. There's something broken in the office. And when you look at just the raw talent that's on the bench and you add that all up, you should be coming back with a better team than you've got. I, I agree. And – I don't know what happened. Like the other year in the playoffs, Edmonton uh, did fairly well, really, really competitive. And you saw a lot of potential, a lot of potential in that team. And next year, uh, I think I predicted them to go to the finals, I think. And uh, they didn't even make the playoffs. And I, I don't know what happened after that series or after that season that changed and put things back to the way that they were and that with that losing culture, but there is a culture problem with the team. And I don't know, I don't know how you fix it. I, th- I again, I think it's mostly management and some of that's already been addressed with the firing of the, of, you know, who the GM, um, but still um, you, I mean, you have Kostin now that everyone knows that Kostin is weak on his glove side. There's teams st- strictly shooting glove side on, on him on a nightly basis now because they know that, his glove side is weak. Who, who else is going to put in net long term? You've already made the decision to sign him and go in that direction. So, I mean, I, I feel bad for them. I do too. Absolutely. <clears throat> I feel they, bad for them. They better too. not get first round pick this year. <laughs> uh, well, I'm b- by the look of history, if they do get a first round pick, it won't do them any good. That's true. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got a lot to fix there. And, and I'm no hockey operations genius. I. They've they've done some work on some things. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Ken Hitchcock is, uh, is still officially an experiment to the end of the year. Right? Uh, I think an experiment yeah. is the right word. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of resetting that can happen over the summer and as we get into the draft period, and uh, we'll see what happens. I expect a better club next year. I expect the Pondal Peewee team to be a better <laughs> club next year, and that's there's two teams behind Edmonton, so we're we're really not being fair to them. Uh, Vancouver and Arizona were eliminated even before Edmonton was from the playoff picture and all that. So, um, but still it's for a team and for all of the assessment that we're doing of all the teams, as we do every week, you don't really measure the team against last year or against all the other teams that's playing against you measure them against the expectations Mm -hmm. that we had. That's right. And I think mostly most of the hockey community had at the beginning of the year. And I think nobody predicted that they would be struggling this much. And like Buffalo is another example too. Yeah. Especially after the start they got off. I know. 10 game winning streak. Uh, So that's, it's tough. It it is about expectations for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it it works the reverse as well a little bit with Montreal. Everyone thought that they'd be at the bottom. Uh, They're fighting for a wild card spot. I certainly did. And so I think if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of disappointed Montreal Canadiens fans. But I think once they take a step back and realize that the team really never probably should have been there, they won't feel as bad. Maybe. And if they do get in for some crazy reason, uh, it won't be a long run because they'll likely draw Tampa. If they manage to get in at all, I, they're going to draw Tampa. I want them to play Tampa. 
Well, if you're going to go on a tear, you may as well get rid of the biggest, exactly. biggest guys first. You're but... going to have to beat them eventually, probably. Yeah. I mean, if and if you play Tampa, there is literally no expectations of winning. Yeah. So if you do win, it's going to be a complete like miracle. So why not play Tampa? They've got a lot of material to put on the wall in the dressing room if they do draw Tampa because yeah. uh, just exactly those things. Everybody in the world will have expectations that Montreal may not win a game, that it may be a sweep. Mm-hmm. So far, the season series has been a sweep. Tampa's won all three games. So They've actually been close games, though. They, one in particular, I think the last one, the 6-5 uh, game, yeah. was really close and really competitive until the very end of the game. Mm. So you never know. Mm. But, uh, yeah. My expe- I forget what point total I had for Montreal in our predictions at the, before the season started, but I don't think it was out of the 70s. I think I predicted yeah, I think mid to high 70s. 70s. As well. yeah. yeah, and here they are already with uh, 87 points or whatever it is now, and uh, man. Uh, mm. yeah. um, next up, I posted a poll on Twitter. Did you see that this week? I did. I may even have voted in it, oh, but really? you'll have to remind me. Uh, so... My question on Twitter was, is Gritty... Oh, I saw it. I didn't vote. ...the best NHL mascot? Yeah. I have the results. What would you... Uh, there's three choices here. Yes, no, or I don't care about mascots. Which one would you have chosen? Knowing somewhat the age demographic of the of the viewing audience for the show here, being on the younger side... Yeah, but Twitter's different, though. You have to be Oh, certain. Twitter, I suppose. There's, the age on Twitter yeah, is a little higher. Maybe your followers are a little higher. I'm still, I'm, I'm still thinking yes wins by a nose... And I don't care comes last. You're right. Do you want to guess percentages? Oh, God. Um, 60% yes, 30% no, 10% don't care, or something like that? Yes is 50, or sorry, 48%. Okay. No is 39%. And I don't care about NHL mascots is 13%. Okay. So, uh, interesting. I would have cho- chosen I don't care about mascots. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I would have. Chosen. Although I think Gritty is cool and funny and... Uh, I like what he's doing for the franchise of Philadelphia and um, or the fran- franchise of Flyers and the NHL. I think it's it's good for the sport. I really don't care that much about mascots. I'm yeah. I... The, the other conversation I had on Twitter this week was a bit of a controversial controversial topic. Uh, and there's going to be people listening here who are adults who do the things that I'm about to complain about. And just remember that even though that we disagree, we can still be friends at the end of this conversation. This sounds momentous here. Wow. So there's been a a weird trend in the NHL uh, as far as fans go recently where mostly kids, I'd say like 80% kids, but there's a 20% of adults who are bringing signs to the games and on the signs, they're saying whatever, and then they're asking for a stick, or they're asking for a puck, or they're asking for gloves, or they're asking for a water bottle, or they're, they're basically asking for free stuff. And most of them are sticks. They want free sticks. And I just think that's the most ridiculous thing. You're an adult. Like, if you want a stick, a game stick or whatever, go on NHL.com on their auction section and buy a stick. You're an adult. And go. Go maybe to the, give to charity in the process. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Go to the store, buy a puck if you want a puck. Like they're there at every arena that I'm aware of. Any NHL arena that I've been to, they've had game pucks with signatures. You can just buy them or you can buy them online. I just think it's I think it's really weird for adults to do that. I think 
that they're creating a culture with the players that the players are now expected to give away sticks like every single warm-up or after every period or after every game or whatever. I just think that's weird. If, if you're a kid or whatever, that's fine. That's huge. Like if you're a kid getting a, getting a stick or a puck, or whatever, that's awesome. I still like, I still disagree with it a little bit. I think if it's, if a player gives away a stick they do it because they want to, not because they see a sign from someone begging for it. So uh, I think a kid is okay, but an adult not. And I think that, how do I, how do I, how do I word this? I don't think I'm right. I did. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying that if, if you do that, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that we are on opposite sides of, of that opinion. Um, I think that, I don't think there's any way that we can stop it because I think the, I think the players aren't going to just like stop giving out sticks. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're not. Yeah. Like one way to stop it, I guess, is to stop feeding the monster because if there's a chance it works then they'll keep doing it. But if the team's players shut it down, other than throwing pucks into the stands when you're the first star in a certain arena, and maybe as you walk out the behind the dressing room as the game's over and there's kids, you know, reaching over and you mm-hmm. just throw your stick up, that probably will, could continue. But yeah, but for people making signs, give me something. Do you think it's weird? Oh, like, do yeah. You, do, you, do you agree? I think it's so che- Oh, I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there is merchandise available for purchase for a reason. The, these these are businesses. Mm-hmm. And if you can afford to bring two kids into a hockey arena and your spouse perhaps and throw 500 bucks at tickets, you could probably afford a $200 stick or, or at, yeah. at the auction site or whatever it might be right. uh, and then get your jollies that way. My concern with some of this stuff is that people are trying to get, they're trying to prey upon the good nature of players in order to throw something on eBay exactly. and sell it. Not everyone. Not everybody. Not everyone. But if, if I would I would have two minds about it. If someone wanted a signed jersey or something to take home to their sick kid, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if they just want it and you see it three days later up on an auction on eBay yeah. and they're trying to make a few hundred bucks, that's just wrong. And that, that, that's, you mentioned signatures. <clears throat> I actually have no problem with adults trying to get signatures on jerseys or pucks or whatever. That's different. Getting a player's signature is way different than asking them for a physical item, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, that's true. And the, the neat thing, like look what Adi does, for instance. Exactly. He, he buys example. the item yes. and then sends it to the player, knowing that sometimes he won't get it back at all. Exactly. But other times the player will sign it and give it back. And we know Adi. We know that he's a collector himself and it's for his collection. Yeah. And, and he's really good at going to the rink, hanging out by the certain door when they drive out or, or sending something in the mail, knowing what address to send it to and how exactly. to go about things for different teams. That's how you do it. Yeah. And if, if anyone wants that kind of product, go to Audie James's channel. Yes. Right. And watch. Cause Man, he, he has some great instructions. He has a that. fantastic series where he, 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 I think he calls it mail return. So he, he, he mails an item to the player, to the play, player's agent or something. Uh, they sign it usually probably like 80 or 90% of the time. And then he gets it back weeks or months later. Um, so he actually physically buys the item and sends it to them and then gets the item back versus waiting with a sign asking for a stick or something like that. So, 
I, I can understand the mentality of wanting a game stick. Like, that would be really cool to get a game stick. But I'm not going to make a sign and ask for it and take what could have been the stick to a kid away from a kid or whatever who maybe has the same sign on the other side of the arena. So mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> anyway, that's that's how I feel about that. If you disagree, uh, that's totally fine. That doesn't mean that we're enemies. That just means that uh, we, d we have different opinions on a, on, an, uh, on a topic and we can still be friends. So thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, more controversy. Uh-oh. Braden Holpe. Oh, not he going to the White declined House. declined going to the White House. Yeah. How do you feel about this? <clears throat> this is tough because I know how much we want to be clear about keeping politics away from the show. Um, because there's a reason. The, the reason that Braden Holpe doesn't want to go is not because he's Canadian. It's because he's uncomfortable. He doesn't share the same values as Trump. Exactly. And he's not the only one. Devontae smith Pelly said he wouldn't go either. Tim, Tim Thomas wouldn't Tim go, Thomas but not wouldn't go. for Trump. But for <clears throat> yeah, so different reasons. Like I, this is the end result when you overly politicize what should be non-political events. I, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm open to correction if I'm wrong, last year when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. A few of them said they wouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Trump said, okay, none of you are coming. Like canceled the whole thing. Really? Yeah. And I don't see that happening this time. I think it's, I think today's the day, oh, uh, this being the Sunday. I think today, or I think it's on a Sunday, mm -hmm. and I believe it might be today, that the trip was going to take place. And um, it's, it's unfortunate that, because there's really, for, forget about whose values are what, there's the person who's the president, but then there's the office of the presidency. And this tradition is usually something that connects with the office of the presidency, less so than the person who's the president. That's right. That way your own personal politics or values shouldn't even really be a thing. Now, I did also read that when the capitals do go, whenever that visit is, it's not a media or photo op. Uh, opportunity for for the wider world to see them there. I'm sure there'll be photographers uh, to take pictures for individual reasons, but it's not going to be a media event, I guess. So it won't be a public thing. Good, uh, which is a good thing, and maybe that's the way it always ought to be. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, I like the idea. I like the tradition of of the championship team, especially the hometown championship team in this case, the Capitals. Yeah, being invited to what is likely the most important <clears throat> building in the entire town that they play for. So that all has a synergy to it. Uh, and I think if it were me... Uh, That's what I was going to ask you. If, what would you do? If it were me, I would look at it as the office that was, be, that was inviting me mm -hmm. and honoring the office by going. So I think I would go irrespective of whether it was Trump, Obama, or Joe Biden, or Beto O'Rourke. I think I would go. I agree. I would also go. I don't really... Me going, I wouldn't see as me supporting the president. I I wouldn't care if he was there or not. I just want to see the White House and see, you know, behind the doors of certain rooms You're and stuff. You're getting a tour. Like, I don't care about... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway... Uh, I, I, but I'm, I don't... Just because Braden Holby's going doesn't mean that... I think that he's wrong in his decision. Absolutely. Like, this is a very important decision for every person to make yep. in their own soul. <clears throat> and I completely understand why uh, Devontae smith Pelly, Braden Holtby, whoever, would not want to go on that trip because they don't want to send a message 
that could be hijacked by somebody else too, right? right? And they want to make sure that they're not used as a pawn or a football in some later thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So totally fine to them. It's an individual decision. It It, would be nice if everyone decided to get one. It's not really about right or wrong. It's just about personal preference. So Totally, totally. There's no right answer here. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Now, my last topic before we get into the game recaps and stuff. Um, Do you think that NHL owners can make a difference in a team? And a team success, or a team in a in a fan base. In a fan base, so if the fans have an affinity with the owner, they're more patient. They're more interested in going to the games. They're more interested in supporting the team. Do you think an owner has that pull? I not and not necessarily because they like the owner, but maybe because the owner has done things for the organization that makes the organization more appealing to the f- fans? Hmm. That's a very good question. I, I'm not sure I know the answer. Like Carolina, for example, uh, their owner, Dundon, has, he wanted the, the Whalers jerseys to come back for this year. He wanted uh, a couple of other things. He, he's okay with the celebrations at the end of the games. Like he, There's a lot of little things that he's done. Look at the, look at the Carolina attendance. Yeah. Two years ago, bottom of the league, mm-hmm. basically, right now, that arena is full every single night. Look how excited they get for the the, the celebration at the end. Like, <laughs> As I, I said to you earlier, hopefully we won't see one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. That's, to me, that is an example of an owner changing the culture of a team and the fan base and revitalizing a franchise. So I think the answer is yes, and on the opposite side of the coin, Eugene Melnick for Ottawa has done the exact opposite for the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. He has devastated that team and that franchise and that fan base to the point where there is a large majority of Ottawa fans who refuse to even watch Ottawa games on TV because it's supporting of the team. Nobody and they, would know. No, but still... And even like they won't go to games, that nothing. Yeah. They won't buy any Ottawa merchandise because they're basically going on strike. Exactly against the ownership. I I think nowadays it's probably the case where the owner's name and profile and decisions make a bigger impact. I think it's safe to say that in the 1970s, nobody really cared. I agree. Who the owners of the teams were? They they cared about the coach, maybe a little bit about the GM. But it was mostly about the players. And I hope that still becomes the main, <clears throat> excuse me, the main default for, for fans' attachment to a team is through the players. Uh, anything else is trickery. If it's a mascot or if it's a celebration or, or even the Hartford, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's, it's not to do with the product on the ice necessarily, right? So that's... Like you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs through the 70s and, and yeah. early 80s, the ownership, people, I think, roundly disagreed with the ownership and, and disliked the owner, mm-hmm. but filled that arena every night for every home game. Yeah, but from a player's standpoint, there was a Carolina player who said, I think yesterday, I can't remember the player, and I do apologize, but he said, I've never had more fun playing hockey. It, probably because of the celebrations at the at the end of the game. There's Everything is loose. Like There's no... Pressure. You're 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 playing hockey and you're you're having fun and stuff. 
because like the owner has implemented things even for the players and the mm-hmm. team and stuff like that helps the mental health of the players yeah because of what the owner's done which has in turn made the team more successful so but sometimes they're just ideas that come out of an owner's head. But most of the time, they're probably ideas that come from somewhere in the organization and the owner approves it. Right. Whether it's the cannon in Columbus or beating up a car outside of Nashville or yes. whatever. The owner agrees maybe or maybe doesn't even get a say-so. Say he just says, look, I just want to see the balance of the books at the end of the year. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there are owners that are proactive. There are owners that are too active. And their team's uh, operations and people in Ottawa would be an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, owner management. When I say owner, sometimes I mean general manager or hockey operations person, the people who represent the owner. We saw some blowback uh, six, eight weeks ago in Dallas when we had a problem there that there was criticism right. from up yes. within the organization. Then you've got owners that are really, really good and quiet. You've got your David Poyle in Nashville. You've got your George McPhee in Vegas where they're fairly content to let the team be run and they're obviously making important decisions or their teams wouldn't be successful, but they're not, their personality is not a, an issue. I don't think. Isn't Poyle the GM? Uh, maybe he is. And again, when, that's when I say GM, chief of hockey operations owner, to me, that's one big machine. So you think that <clears throat> sometimes it's just about the, de- the decision of the GM that allows certain things to happen, not necessarily the ideas of the GM or him meddling and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I think there's an opportunity for good, good ideas to come from anywhere. And when, if they're good enough, they get approved yep, and, and they start happening. I love the Hartford idea. The, the I Hartford, do too. I love it. And they've done it now with two road games in Boston that I'm aware of. I don't think they do it at home, nor should they. Mm-hmm. But when they're on the road in Boston in the New England market, back before many of the fans that they used to have uh, in Hartford, mm-hmm. fantastic. How do you feel about the Toronto Maple Leaf players now being allowed to grow facial hair? <laughs> I wasn't sure what I thought of it before. Uh, I, I Facial hair, tattoos, personal body decoration or non-decoration is really something that a hockey team or any sports team probably should stay out of generally. I, I agree. And we've had this discussion before. But I tell you, when I see Jake Muzzin skating down the ice, he doesn't look like he belongs. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, does, he doesn't, but uh, he's got a pretty awesome beard and yeah. I approve. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm cool with it. I'm My preference would be for hockey players to all, and, and that uh, this goes for Joe Thornton and it goes for Burns and it goes for all these monsters. These, these gritty lookalikes that are out there <laughs> playing in the West Coast, most of them. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't. You don't agree with the, that big of a no muff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it's just personal preference. I just don't think it looks like a hockey player. When I, I think of, you know, a Tim Horton, you know, I, a Rod I, yeah, Gilbert, I, I, I agree. you know, clean cut. Good old boys. It doesn't look like a typical hockey player, but I do like it. Yeah, that's personality. Yeah, that's all it is. And it's okay. Things are different. Obviously, old fashioned wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the new stuff. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) On to the game recaps. All right. So the Islanders played Philadelphia. Islanders got a much needed win. They won four to two. Uh, Did you see Hart's pads with those jerseys? Because Philadelphia's wearing the their third jerseys. Yeah, I didn't notice. I saw, I, I watched a lot of that game, but I didn't. Uh, I 
pay a lot of attention to aesthetics, and Carter Hart's pads match the jersey so well. I think it was one of he's one of the best looking goaltenders in gear, uh, based on jersey and pad design and stuff. So I I really appreciate that. Um, that was awesome to see. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was actually a closer game than the score might indicate. It, it showed, was showed four yeah. two, but it was two two up until about four minutes left in the third period, and then Josh Bailey went boink boink. Mm. Got two, and it ended up being four two, and they were nice goals. It was a it was a nice game, uh, hard on Philadelphia uh, because they were they're still mathematically in. Mm-hmm. Had they won that game, they would be starting to knock on the door behind Montreal and Columbus. But uh, yeah, they got when they losing in regulation like they did. That's that's a big knife in the chest right there. For yeah, Philadelphia's been frustrating me a little bit. I've watched them actually quite a bit of Philadelphia recently. Montreal's played them twice, I think, in the past two weeks. And I've watched, I think, three other games of, that they've been on TV. Uh, they do a lot of puck watching, but not every game. And it's only in specific parts of the game. Like l- the last half of the third period in la- yesterday's game, a ton of puck watching. Mm-hmm. It was really frustrating. Um, but the Islanders showed some resilience, I think, uh, I think it was a pretty good game on, on their part, but uh, I always, try, when I'm watching a team, I always try and keep my eyes on my favorite player. Now, we just released some videos on our favorite players uh, from each division, from each team. Uh, in Philadelphia, mine's uh, Shane Gloucester and I always watch him on the ice. He has to have one of the best shots as a defenseman in the league. He's not a big guy, but he has one of the best shots. He scored a beautiful goal yesterday. Yeah, he did. And uh, I, I always like watching him shoot the puck. Very talented. Yeah, that goal he scored was to tie the game at two. Yeah. So it was a big goal. It was an important goal. And it was a game to get them back in it. And then yeah. but the Islanders. Big win for the Islanders. They really, really needed that. They've been struggling struggling recently uh, and struggling to score goals. So mm-hmm. it's good to see a, a, a number four up there on the, on the score sheet. Uh, the game after that was the Devils in Arizona game. Uh, New Jersey won two to one in a shootout. Uh, I thought Darcy Kemper was unreal in that game. He made some incredible saves. Uh, but New Jersey was re- absolutely relentless at times, completely relentless. They were all over Arizona. If it wasn't for Kemper, man, that game would have been probably like 5-1. Arizona was very lucky. They they, they have had a bad run yes. uh, this past week, and they at the worst possible time. Yeah. Uh, and they needed at least a point. They managed to luck a point out of that game, but it was close. They almost won in overtime. They did. Uh, what's this? Clinton Keller hit the post. He had a wide open net, and he hit the post. Yeah, and then, uh, the, then the shootout went a long time before Pavel yeah. Zacha scored. Zacha, yeah. Who was it that said that in the? It broadcast? was a. It was a guy on. Uh, it was in between periods or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually a sports channel person who was going through the game recaps and called him Pavel Zacha. Yeah, Pavel Zacha. <laughs> but that was the sixth round of the shootout. Yeah, and that actually wasn't the game ending moment because. Mackenzie Blackwood had, had to, make to make the, the save, save on Panique in the other end, yeah. and he did. So that was the game. Did you say Panique? Yeah. Oh, God. That's his, did you do I, that on purpose? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Do you know that after uh, every game, he goes to disco? He goes to disco? Yeah. Panique at the disco? Anyway. It's a joke that won't make sense to anyone under the age of 40. No. So. And his, his name is also pronounced Ponick. Ponick. According to his country. Next game, Colorado and Chicago. We actually watched the majority of this game. We did. Uh, Colorado won 4-2. to two. Uh, We noticed a couple things in this game. Uh, Crawford played really, really well in that first period specifically. 
Uh, that was a huge win for Colorado. They really, really needed that win because they're on a bit of a run right now, and they wanted to keep that going and keep competitive. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I noticed in that game is Nathan McKinnon is probably one of the best, if not the best, to handler uh, in the game of hockey right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's perfect because he had some pretty bad giveaways in that game mm-hmm. and some pretty lazy uh, trips back to the back to the bench. We saw him glide from one end one side of the ice to the other side near the benches and not look at the play, not look at the puck and literally glide the entire way. It was probably like six seconds of just gliding. It was ridiculous. It was one of the worst going for line changes of laziness that I've seen. And this wasn't a case where Colorado had dumped the puck down in the other end to do the line change and they knew they had time. Colorado actually still had 50% 50% possession of the puck. It was kind of back and forth in the neutral zone or something. Yeah, like they were just did, you know diddling around at the Chicago blue line. And he just, I'm done. Stick in the air and gliding back to the bench. And the play was underway and at risk. Yeah, that was he, weird. Yeah, not, it was not crazy. Very that. strange, but yeah. anyway. Another uh, important, I think, note there, Colorado, first it was a home game, so they might be considered the favorite, everything else being equal. There's a rematch today. Yes, it's going to be gonna really be interesting. good. Uh, Colorado was playing without Landeskog and without Renton. And without Renton, yeah. And they still managed to pull off a pretty uh, strong performance against Chicago. And it looks like they won't have uh, either gentleman with them again today. Mm. So, and they'll be on the road. Of course, both teams traveled the exact same distance last night. Exactly. So yeah. there's no advantage there other than uh, Chicago's at the uh, United Airlines they or get whatever. to sleep in their own bed last night. That's about it. And that's not always a good thing. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought that Gerard had some amazingly skilled plays yesterday back on the on, on the blue line for Colorado. He was he held the puck in the zone at times where I thought that Colorado or that Chicago was going to break free, mm-hmm. and uh, he showed a lot of patience. So just a little quick shout out to him. Yeah, another shout out. Uh, this was last night or yesterday afternoon was Brad Watson's last game as an right. NHL official as an NHL referee. He was signed to an amateur type contract in 1993 and played his first, or played, <laughs> officiated his first games in the 96 season. And he's been uh, a real rock in the NHL, uh, uh, in the NHL OA. We had this discussion off camera yesterday. I thought it was a little weird that you would retire with like six games left in the season right before the playoffs. Being one of the most tenured referees in the league and the most experienced, you'd think the NHL would want referees like that in the playoffs in big games like that. So Maybe they do. Maybe it was his choice. I don't know. I don't know. But he's he's been working for 23 years. Yeah. Uh, or 24, actually, if you go 96, well, 22, 23, whatever. Uh, that's a lot. And he's uh, maybe just... And be- the- there could be a situation that we don't know about. Maybe he wanted to retire last year and they didn't have, they had a shortage of referees or something like that for the playoffs. And like, Brad, we need you. You can't retire yet. Mm-hmm. Can you please? Yeah. Who knows? I, so He did uh, 1,383 regular season games. Wow. 214 playoff games, including eight Stanley Cup final series. See, that's what I mean. Like he's so experienced. Yeah. And he also did four outdoor games, like winter classics and wow. that kind of thing. Four. That's a pretty good resume. He's got Olympics. He did the 2010 Olympics in Salt Lake City. No, that wasn't. It was that. No, it wasn't Salt Lake City. No, Salt Lake City was 2010. 2010 was Vancouver, right? (laughs) But he did the 2010 Olympics. He did other Olympics. He did World Cups. He did uh, lots, lots. Mm. He did lots of hockey. 2000, I think, was Salt Lake City. Yeah, Um, and he may have done that one too. But he had quite a career. And the best part of it all was when the game ended. 
even though all Colorado wanted to do was celebrate and all Chicago wanted to do was get off the ice, both teams lined up and shook his hand. Nice. And one of the players gave him a stick. I forget which one. I, I don't know if I even saw which player gave him the stick. And he, I, afterwards, I could see him holding the stick hmm. uh, as he was shaking hands with the players and they were wishing him the best in his retirement. So uh, that's one of the many beautiful things about the game of hockey. Right oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we often, we often don't get to, to really appreciate the relationship between the, the referees and linesmen and the players. You see them talk all the time on the ice. You never know what they're saying, but some, they're, sometimes they're smiling and stuff and having good chats. So it would be cool to, to kind of be the fly in the wall in some of those conversations and listen in. But. Whenever they mic a ref or a player, usually it's a player. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. Now during the, um, was it the Spengler cup? They had a, a mic on the ref or on one of the linesmen actually, yeah. and you could hear him issuing instructions each time he was about to drop the puck. Unfortunately, the announcers talked over him all the time. Yeah. So you couldn't actually hear what he was saying, which was totally dumb. But I would, I would pay extra to have a mic'd ref Absolutely. or have them all mic'd and be able to change channels and listen to various parts of the game. Mm. That would be an an economic opportunity, NHL. That's right. Allow your watchers to listen to live audio. NASCAR does it now. You can get online and select what car you want to ride in yeah. with the onboard camera. That'd right? be cool. Yeah. So NHL, get on that. Get her done, get eh? Get on that. All right. The next game after that was the Montreal-Buffalo game. Montreal won 7-4. to four. Uh, You watched this game. I did not. Uh Price wasn't great from what I saw in the in the highlights, uh, but neither was Hutton. And uh, I think Montreal won the mental game there. Montreal got the lead, and then or Buffalo got the lead. Then Montreal kind of came back, and then they got a three-one lead, I think. And then Buffalo came back, but Montreal mentally kind of stuck in there and kept playing and got the yep. got the lead again. And then Buffalo came back again. So I think Montreal kind of won the mental game in a sense where they never got defeated mentally and they always kept trying and trying and trying. So. Last year, if Montreal was leading a game 3-1 and the opposing team scored two goals fairly closely together and it was now tied 3-3, the air would go out of Montreal. They would mm -hmm. just collapse and say, oh, frigate. This time they went back and got a goal before the end of the second period and ended up going into the second intermission up 4-3. Mm -hmm. And then the game was was on after that uh, for Montreal. But yeah, it wasn't Price's best performance, but he made some dandies uh, when he needed to, and uh, some some got by him. There was a dead, dead, terrible giveaway by Jonathan Drouin on the blue line that led to the tying goal uh, late in the second period, made it 3-3. It was terrible. But then uh, Buffalo had a bad giveaway in the third that led to a goal as well, so, mm. or, or led to a actually a, a bad penalty and some other giveaways too. Um, Andrew Shaw got a goal earlier in the game that was quite pretty, but then he took a mental undisciplined so stupid. break in the third period. He thought he was elbowed. Uh, and he, it's not that he wasn't elbowed, but yeah, I think he thought he was elbowed intentionally. Yeah. At this point, the game is 5-3 and there's maybe 10 minutes left to go or 11 or something like that. He thought he was elbowed down in the uh, Buffalo corner. And he gets up and he's mad and he just starts taking a run. And he skated all the way across the ice and crunched a guy in the boards. It wasn't the guy who did it. I mm. forget who it was that did it or almost did it. And then he went after another guy. Went after, and then Scandella jump, jumps in and then there's a whole and melee. Skinner was there and yeah, he Skinner, Skinner was there. And... So 
ended up, ended up getting, he got a four minute double minor, yeah. one, two minutes for roughing and two minutes for charging or something. And just at, at the expiry of that four minute penalty, just after he had come out of the box, Buffalo scored and made it five, four. And now we're looking at nine minutes left and it's only a one goal game. Mm-hmm. Montreal did get a goal, made it six, four, and then got an empty netter later. So, but it was closer than it looked. Montreal got away with one there a little bit, uh, but it's a game that for most of the game, they were the best team, but these uh, discipline problems need to stop. And it was, it's ironic because on the weekend, there was a news article about how great it's been that Andrew Shaw has settled down and he's controlling his emotions. And then that happens. And that happens, yeah. So that was awful. Really frustrating. I actually don't like Andrew Shaw that much. Uh, as a Canadiens fan, he's probably my least favorite player on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be very ha- even though he's having a career season, I'd actually like to see Montreal trade Andrew Shaw, but that's just my personal opinion. Do you know who led plus minus in the team uh, yesterday? Shea Weber. Victor Mete. I was going to say Victor Mete. Actually. Plus four. Hmm. Plus four in a game that you only won by three goals, so... That's, that's a, that's a plus. That, right? is, that is a plus. Uh, Gallagher's a plus three. He had, he got 33 goals. That's yep. his, uh. Career high. Career high. Same thing. Career high for uh, Max Domi now. 26 goals, including a power play goal, which Montreal is unable to score on, on a normal day. Tatar was plus three. Uh, Byron got one. Lekkanen got one. And Shaw, like I said, got a goal earlier in the game. Jack Eichel scored for Buffalo, mm-hmm. completing his set. Jack Eichel had scored at least one goal against every team oh, in the right. NHL yes. except Montreal yeah. until last night. Now he's got a complete set. There you go. You can retire now, Jack. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or change teams. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, really, eh? Yeah. And, he uh, hasn't scored against Buffalo. <laughs> no, uh, that's right. Line so. scored against Winnipeg, though. <laughs> Did you remember that? <laughs> I do. Uh, one other little uh, factoid there. Lekkonen's goal to tie it uh, made, made him the scorer of Montreal's 22,000th goal mm, that's crazy. in its, in its 110 year history, 22,000 goals. That's, uh, goals. that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And Lekkonen got it. So mm. he'll be in the history books for that reason. There you if go. If it's ever a question on Jeopardy. Now you know. Now you know. Um, the next game was the Boston Florida game. Boston won seven to three. Uh, Florida's defensive coverage was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, a lot of puck watching going on, a lot of lack of effort in the defensive zone, uh, and Montreal, or not, sorry, not Montreal, uh, Boston looked just so strong that entire game. So uh, that was a, an important win for Boston. They're obviously not going to catch Tampa, but they're establishing their presence upon Toronto, saying that, yeah, we've got a lead on you, but we're still we're still building that lead and we're still winning, even though that we don't need to. Mm-hmm. So. Chara celebrated his $2 million contract for next year with his 200th goal. Exactly, yes. So good so, for him. Good game for, for everyone in Boston. Yeah, Halak got the win. Montembeau was the losing goalie. Yeah, he let in some fairly weak yeah. goals, all, even though he's been playing pretty good He recently. has been. He's he, been a plus for uh, Florida. Yeah, he's let in some. He, that game specifically let in some, some yeah. softies. But. Boston scored five goals in the second period alone. Yeah. Ooh, that's been Yeah. Fun. Um, but Florida creamed them in the face-off circle. Did you see that? No, I didn't. 62 to 39. Really? Weird. Weird. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Carolina played Minnesota. Carolina uh, smashed them 5-1. to one. Uh, I would say that Carolina played almost a perfect game. Minnesota was puck-watching and taking s- silly risks. Uh, uh, Carolina had a lot of odd man 
rush opportunities, two on ones and breakaways and and four on twos. And it seemed like Minnesota was taking quite a bit of risks. And I guess that's what you do when you're down in a game and you need to score goals. You take risks. But uh, I, I think that I think that Carolina also got a bit of a, some puck luck as well. There were specific plays and passes and stuff that maybe shouldn't have gone through in a typical game. And it was just inches away from a stick hitting it and, and deflecting it away and stuff. So uh, a bit of puck luck there, but still. Brent Pesci was a plus five Good in, in a 5-1 Nice. Good. I think he was the guy who said that maybe he's having so much fun. Having so much fun? Yeah, okay. I, I think that was maybe him. But. Could be. Um, now, just before we leave, I want to talk a little bit about the Sully that they had. Uh, oh, the basketball celebration. Yeah. yeah it was awesome. They they brought out, they actually wheeled out a, a net. And it wasn't full height. Yeah. And then there was a a, a dunk. <laughs> I forget who dunked it, but I, I get it. I, in fact, I like that better than mm-hmm. some of the bowling and curling and all that. At least with this, it's celebrating March Madness. We know how basketball crazy the United States is, and particularly in the mid-Atlantic states mm-hmm. and the southeast Carolina in particular with the Tar Heels and Duke and everything else. So I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I just don't want to see it tonight. I have a very interesting question for you. And this is completely off topic. I'm going to put my pen on my paper so I don't lose my my thought here. Because this is going to take probably three to five minutes. Okay. Do you think it would be more interesting to watch basketball players play hockey or hockey players play basketball? Which would you prefer to watch? I would definitely want to see basketball players play hockey because probably none of them can skate. So it would just be like watching mites. Okay. Like, or, yeah. Would you prefer to watch football players play hockey or hockey players play football? For the same reason, I would rather football players play hockey. Just because I love watching any kind of hockey, I would hate to be stuck watching basketball played by a bunch of people who aren't good at it. I agree, but hockey players would be better at basketball than basketball players would be better at hockey. No question. Um, I think Football players, obviously they can't, most of them can't skate or can't skate well, so it would be clumsy, but the physicality they'd already be used to, and they'd probably enjoy that because it's free game. In football, you're waiting around until the play starts, and then you've got seven seconds of whatever, and then you're waiting around. In hockey, it's all the time. Like, they'd be running around hitting people left and right. They would. It would be awesome. But then they'd all be on oxygen on the bench, too. (laughs) Yeah, they would. Because they don't, they wouldn't have that... 60 minutes of go-go. They don't have the stamina, yeah. No, there's no way. That, like you say, they're, they work in seven-second seven bursts yeah. with lots of time in between. And, uh, it's, yeah, hockey's not built that way. You it, gotta go. Wouldn't it be interesting, though? No. What? I don't think so. You don't think so? I, don't think I would so. pay to see that. Okay, well. Let but, me know in the comments if you agree with me or if you agree with him. Anyway. I just... When people cross over sports, even if they expect they're going to be good, and sometimes they can do that. We've had some baseball, football crossovers, right? Mm-hmm. We've got, um, is it Tebow playing a little bit of baseball now, Tim Tebow? Uh, yeah, and Michael Jordan did it back in the day. And... Yeah, so it's not unheard of. And sometimes players are drafted, amateur drafted by more than one sport, and mm-hmm. then they decide what they're going to play later, I, which is kind of cool. It's a player on the Islanders like that. I don't know if it was Lad or Lee or Letty, one of those L Letty, guys. someone. They were <laughs> they were a fantastic baseball player in college or something like that, and they almost went they almost went pro in baseball instead or something. I can't remember which player it is. If you're an Islanders fan, please correct me uh, in the comment section. But 
Um, yeah. Anyway, hmm. uh, generally most ath- most professional athletes are probably going to be good at most other sports. It's just the way that it is. They're gifted. Yeah. So there's that a lot to be said there. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the next game was the Rangers Toronto game. The Rangers won two to one. Uh, Gorgiev was unbelievable Georgiev. in that game. Uh, Tron- Toronto-, Toronto did play strong though in both ends. They were much better defensively. Um, but, uh, the Rangers won because of me. You know that, right? Oh, thank you. I wore my lucky sock last night. <laughs> Your lucky sock. sock. Singular. <laughs> if you're, if you're new, I have a broken ankle and I can only wear one sock, but, uh, I, I have socks with, uh, little astronauts on them and that's my, they're my lucky socks. I didn't wear them the day that I broke my ankle. So, um, uh, but I wore one last night and, uh, I joked before the game that, Maybe the Toronto will lose because I was wearing a lucky sock, and they did. So you're you're admitting here that you wanted Toronto to lose. Yes. Okay. It's still mathematically possible for Montreal to catch Toronto. Oh, okay. That's why. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Rangers won. So <laughs> I I completely like, you're welcome, Rangers fans. But yeah, they still let Toronto get a point uh, thanks to Hyman's goal late. And it was a nice goal too. It very was, pretty pass very from nice. Tavares. Yeah, it was very nice. Matthews had a rough night. Yeah, he was kind of all over. Oh, sorry, he was kind of all over the place. Yeah, he, he gave an interview post game where he talked about how well Georgiev had played. Georgiev, Georgiev. But what he didn't say was that some of the biggest missed opportunities weren't because Georgiev made a save; it's because he missed the net. Yeah, he had several chances. Mm, he made some nice plays, though. He did, uh, and that poke check in overtime by Georgiev oh, yeah. was Georgiev. unreal. Georgiev, <laughs> we we love saying that. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know why. We say that, uh, go watch our favorite player, Metro Division. Uh, the game after that was the Winnipeg-Nashville game. Winnipeg won 5-0. Uh, game probably would have been 10 nothing without Pekka Rene because he made some absolutely highlight real saves in that game, uh, and, like throughout the entire game. Just It was unreal. Um, so big win for Winnipeg. They're playing, specifically in that game, playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. That was a playoff style game for Winnipeg. That yeah. uh, was it was awesome. So, uh, good job. Yeah, and Winnipeg. Uh, Kyle and Connor got a hat trick in that game. Yes, he did his first NHL hat trick, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they scored a, their fifth goal with like nine seconds left or something. And uh, yes, yeah, it, it was a good game. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, the first period was scoreless, so uh, Rene was able to hold them in for a while. But then the seal broke, and the yeah. second that was it. exactly but, yeah. Uh, yeah, Colton Sissons had a rough night, minus five in a five nothing game. Oh. That's that's not good. Yeah. Uh, the Ottawa-Edmonton game, Ottawa won 4-3. to three. Uh, Koskinen, glove hand, again, is pretty bad. Uh, Anderson with his first win since mid-December. Yeah. Good for you, Craig. Mid-December. That's actually a really good game. I'm not sure if any, if, if you did get to, a chance to see it, then you hopefully you agree with me. But oh, I, yeah. I thought it was a good game. Yeah. Even though those teams aren't really battling for much, it was, it was a really high-intensity game. There were some beautiful plays. Uh did you see Brady Chuchuk, one of Brady Chuchuk's goals, the funky one from behind the I net? I did. That was very strange. That was cool. Very strange. And did you see Alex Chason's uh, backhanded breakaway goal? He was going in on a breakaway and he spun. I don't remember that one. And did a backhand. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah I remember that one now. Okay, that yeah. was cool. Yeah. Uh, the game after that was the St. Louis-Tampa Bay game. Uh, St. Louis won 4-3. to three. Absolutely huge win for St. Louis. A uh, really good game to watch just as a hockey fan. And that was... St. Louis's second win against Tampa Bay this year. Tampa Bay has not beat St. Louis this year. This is, 
This is great. St. Louis has has a beautiful record like that against a couple of teams. Yeah. Even though they've generally struggled and been very mediocre all year, there's a couple of teams that have got their number. Nashville's the other one, I think. It's like Arizona with Toronto. Yeah. Like Arizona usually always beats Toronto for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's just weird. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. uh, great game. It was – I. Honestly, I'd like to see them play a series against each other. It's highly unlikely. No offense to St. Louis, but uh, yeah, it'd be an awesome series. Yeah, did you, did you see the tying goal that was called back because of an offside? I did see that. Yeah. Yes, I did. It was clearly offside. It was clearly offside, but good on them to good on to, the St. Louis the video video Whoa. staff to, to notify the the coaches and stuff. And maybe yeah. they already saw it on the yeah. on the literal iPads or whatever. But did you see Shen's goal backhanded between his legs? Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> and it, it's even better in slow motion if you got a chance to see it in slow motion. Yeah, yeah that was very sweet. Uh, the game after that was the Pittsburgh-Dallas game. Pittsburgh won 3-2. to uh, Matt Murray with some huge saves. Once again, every time I watch Pittsburgh play, Matt Murray comes up with some massive saves. Um, and uh, I thought there were some impressive skilled moves by many in this game. There was one play kind of near the end by Radulov where he he came in and it looked like he was going to spin around and make, maybe make a pass because there was a kind of a player to his left and kind of left behind. And uh, he went to go make the turn, and it was a, just a fake turn, and then he went back the other way and basically kind of went on a breakaway. Did you see it? No. He kind of went on and looked at a little breakaway and got a shot. And uh, I thought it was just a really skilled play. And there was a couple of really skilled plays by, by some people on Pittsburgh as well. Uh, just some really good skilled hockey plays in, in, in that game. And unfortunately, the team that I was cheering for lost. One of McCann's goals was that backhander he yes, had. Yes, a skilled. That was a, tremendous. A goal from a skilled play, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the Calgary-Vancouver game is a game I've watched pretty much in its entirety. Calgary won 3-1. to one. Uh, Vancouver played well, but uh, got caught puck watching quite a bit. There was a point where Calgary scored. I think it was maybe the second goal, maybe the f- first. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyways, there's a shot of five Vancouver players all standing right in front of Mark's, uh, Markstrom, and they're all watching the puck, and like it's just, oh my god, it's really frustrating if you're a Vancouver fan. Um, but I mean, you're playing Calgary, one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, Vancouver had a chance to climb back in the third very early on. Besser got that power play goal. And there was a chance at that point. Hmm. Did you see the hit behind the net when Smith goes back to play the puck? Oh my God, he and flopped Ed, so and much. Ed, Edler hit him. What a dive. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't get a penalty. He did. Oh, he did? Ed, well, Edler got a penalty, but uh, Smith didn't get a dive. I was, was going to say, I don't remember Smith getting a, an <clears throat> no. embellishment penalty. He should have. <laughs> yeah. He went down like he'd been shot. Yes, that was ridiculous. He, he went down like a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Helmet came off. The arms were everywhere. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, uh, good. Detroit beat Vegas. What? What's going on? I actually didn't watch any highlights in this game. I have nothing to say about this game. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Detroit beat Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Vegas was playing Subban, probably just to give uh, Fleury a bit of a rest. So I don't that, think that's why they lost, though. No, I, I, don't, I don't assume that's why they lost. Again, I didn't watch the highlights. Yeah, so. but I think it's safe to say that Flurry has saved their bacon many times this year mm, in questionable games. Yeah, there's bacon upstairs, by the way. Okay, let's wrap this up. Right. <laughs> um, L.A. beat Anaheim, and I believe a shootout. I did not it, watch the highlights from this is, is either. I do apologize. It was. It, it was very late. So. I did see the highlights of that. The shootout was Kopitar. Oh, I did see the game-winning, the, the shootout yeah, winner. Where he does the uh, the deke. And yeah, like the I did one-handed see that. That was nice. The right-hand side there. Yeah. I predicted yeah. Anaheim to win that game, so I'm a little disappointed that L.A. won. Yeah, Ra- Raquel 
tied with two seconds left in the second. Uh, tied the game hmm. uh, on a power play, but like two seconds to go, and Raquel scored, and that made Heck it. Yeah, that kept it being a game. So I knew you'd like that. Heck yeah, yeah. Uh, today's games: Philadelphia and Washington. <clears throat> who, who who are you choosing? This is tough. Um, Washington doesn't have Hanglin. Probably won't have Hanglin. Um, he's questionable, but but unlikely. Uh, they won't have Kempney. He's out with a leg problem, so they're a little undermanned. Um, still. It's Philadelphia. I think uh, I think they don't have enough, so I'm going to pick Washington. I'm also going to pick Washington for oh, this yeah. one. Okay. Uh, Arizona and the Islanders. Um, Arizona's had a really tough go. The Islanders, I think, have started to recover from a bad week or a bad couple of weeks, so I think it's the Islanders. I think it's the Islanders as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really close game, potentially going to overtime, maybe mm-hmm. shootout kind of style game. Yeah, uh, Montreal, Carolina, and that's what I think is going to happen here. I think it'll go late. I don't think we'll know the winner of this game until late in the game. I think it's done early. Do you? Yeah, I think Carolina is probably going to win this game like six two. Oh, yep. I'm writing that down. I think Carolina's going to smash Montreal. It's going to be embarrassing. Wow, I really don't have a good feeling for this game. They're going to start Price again. Uh, that's pretty well a given. He's going to start every game from now on because they're all so important. The question will be Carolina. Uh, played yesterday, so are they going to start McElhenney today or, or, or what? I don't know. So they may, if they go with McElhenney, who's got a good record too. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters. I don't think they're disadvantaged by going with him because both goalies have pretty good records. But um, yeah, I guess one of the questions I have is Montreal sat has been sitting uh, some players as healthy scratches: Dale Weiss, uh, Nick Delorier, Pekka. Mm-hmm. Um, is it time to maybe put some of those cats in? I don't think so. No. Montreal's on a three-game winning streak. Don't change anything. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be tough. They, they left at 10 to, 10 to midnight last night, uh, on their flight to Raleigh. Hmm. And it was an hour and a half flight to get in at one thirty in the morning. And maybe a little tired. It's an yeah. earlier game. I think it starts at like seven hour time, six. Seven, I think it's seven hour time. Yeah. And interestingly, it's being broadcast on the Canadian Aboriginal People's Television Network, in addition to the regular sports channels that we watch. Mm. They're going to broadcast it on APTN in Cree. Interesting. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. It's very cool. So if we go over to APTN, and unfortunately, if you're an American viewer, you likely wouldn't be able to get it, but uh, they're going to have a Cree announcer doing the game in Cree, which is... That's uh, actually really cool. That's really, Mm. it's really awesome. Yeah. Nice. Um, Chicago plays Colorado again. Again. Second time in two days. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a really good thing. It's almost like a playoff kind of feel a little bit. Well, it is. Chicago's almost mathematically out now, but Colorado is very close to catching Dallas. Dallas has had a really bad run, mm-hmm. and Colorado can see see the whites of their eyes. The light, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think Colorado's going to, even though they still don't have Rantanen, they still won't have Landis Cog, I, I think they've got a, some jump after yesterday's game, and they'll come in sailing. This one was tough for me. Chicago plays really well at home, so I'm really leaning towards Chicago here. And with the absence of Rantanen and Landis Cog, I think Colorado's might struggle against Chicago today. I really, really, really want to pick Chicago, but I'm going to pick Colorado because I think they're, they're going to continue their little streak. Uh, Columbus and Vancouver. <clears throat> Columbus, they've got a lot of rest. They haven't played since Thursday night. So they've been sitting there waiting, licking their chops. Mm-hmm. So on paper, you'd say, oh, Columbus is going to be ready to go. Vancouver's going to be tired from last night, especially after losing to Calgary. Uh, so Columbus would have the edge, but Bobrovsky is not well. They're not saying what, 
but he's not. Uh, he mm-hmm. may, he may not start. I saw his quote that he released recently mm-hmm. about him maybe not feeling if he, if he doesn't feel like he can make a difference in whatever, then he's not putting on gear or something like that. Or yeah, and you've got um, uh, Rantanen or sorry, Rantanen uh, <laughs> Felino. Got got the wrong uh, page here. Uh, Felino, who's still back in Columbus, he mm-hmm. went home for a family emergency of mm-hmm. some kind, and he's and hope hope it works out. Whatever it is, yeah, whatever it is. But uh, he's not with the team, and. Then you've got their ever since the trading deadline, they're like four, seven, and one or something bad. Uh, their record has been very poor, yeah. and it's not looking good for them uh, now. Some of this is wishful thinking because, of course, Montreal is trying to stay ahead of them. If Montreal does manage to uh, do the impossible today, and Columbus loses in regulation, that it's, is a five-point spread. It's going to be tough for Columbus to come back. From very that. tough. Yeah, they'll have two games, or they'll have a game or two in hand. One, I guess. This, but uh, too too steep. This day might determine that eighth wildcard spot. Like seriously, this day might be more important than any other day following it. It could very De- well depending be. on what happens. Yeah. If Montreal wins and Columbus loses, that might set things in stone. Yeah. But so I, I'm I'm going to pick Vancouver. Sixty five percent of it's wishful thinking. Thirty five percent of it is actually analysis. Hmm. So I'm going to pick Columbus. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think they've been sitting a little while, maybe a little bit too rested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this is a game. They know they need to win this game. They're playing Vancouver, who is an uh, inferior team statistically than them, and they must win this game. So I think that Columbus is going to win, right. even though I don't want them to. As far as streaks, Boston's on a four-game winning streak. Colorado's on a four-game winning streak. Uh, Calgary with three. St. Louis with three. Montreal with three. My players of the week, you want to take any guesses? <laughs> A bit of an inside joke. Uh, I assisted Neil with doing some searching so he could come up with his yeah. players of the week. So I think it would be unfair of me to pretend That's to guess. That's true. Uh, my player of the week is Riley Smith. Four games played, four goals, five assists, nine points, and a plus six. Nice. Well done, Riley Smith. Nice. Uh, for goalies, it's Philip Grubauer. Four games played, four wins, .970 save percentage, and a goals against average of one. So... <laughs> Uh, very good, very, very good week by Grubauer, and uh, that's all I have for this podcast. Very good. Well, as you know, I especially now as we're getting close to the playoffs, I zero down to the team's potential. They're, they're, I won't call it a power ranking, but it would be similar to that, I guess. Um, and as I've explained the last couple of weeks, every team has potential for 164 points at the beginning of the season, and that total number drops with every loss or lack of a two-point win uh, in their schedule. Uh, here are the teams. Four teams had perfect weeks since last Sunday. And you talked about... Th- uh, Colorado's one. Colorado's one. Boston? Boston is one. Correct. Oh, I guess I just look at the streaks. Calgary, St. Louis. Calgary's one, but St. Louis did have a loss in there. So uh, Montreal? The, Montreal is the other one. So... Uh, four teams have had perfect weeks. The Bruins, the Canadians, the Avalanche, and the Flames. Several teams had good weeks. And I would say a good week is a week where you fall short of your winning every game by uh, one or two points. Tampa Bay, Vancouver, Detroit, the Kings, Pittsburgh, Carolina, the Rangers, Winnipeg, St. Louis, and Vegas had pretty good weeks. 
fared in poor weeks uh, were had by Toronto, Buffalo, Ottawa, the Islanders, Washington, Columbus, Philadelphia, Nashville, Dallas, Minnesota, Chicago, San Jose, Arizona, Edmonton, and Anaheim. And stinky weeks, absolute stinkers, Florida and New Jersey. Mm. <clears throat> they were. That's it? That's it. Mm. We just heard all 31 teams there. You want to play it back? Nope. Uh, now, looking at the. Uh, the overall playoff picture, uh, right now it looks like Tampa Bay is going to draw Montreal if nothing changes. Tampa Bay is up 3-0-0 in the season series against Montreal. Tampa Bay has six games left, five of them against decent teams. Montreal has seven games left, all of them against decent teams. Mm. Hence your point a while ago about Columbus having an easier schedule. That is very true. Boston would play Toronto. Boston is up 3-1-0 in that series. They have seven games left, five against decent teams. Toronto has the same amount of games left, and they're playing six against decent teams. Washington Capitals right now would draw Carolina. Washington's up in that series 2-0-0. And they have seven games left, all of them against decent teams, while Carolina has eight games left and seven of them against decent teams. Here's an interesting one. The New York Islanders would play Pittsburgh right now. The Islanders hold that season series 2-1-1. and one. Well, actually, they're, they're both tied. They, they both have two 1-1 one one records against the other, which sounds odd, but it's true. I think that it would be a really good series. <clears throat> it would be a really good series. Uh, and right now, uh, they're tied for points. They both have 93 points, so it's not really sure who'd get home ice. Although, you look at the Islanders, of the seven games they have left, six of them are against quality teams. With the Penguins, of the six games they have left, only two of them are against decent Ooh, teams. Interesting. So they have an easier path, even though they have one fewer game to make that path. So right now the Islanders uh, have the edge because they do hold that game in hand, but it's a game they may lose because, you know, they've not been stellar hmm. uh, in this last little while. So in the West, uh, Winnipeg right now would play Colorado, and that season series is tied 2-2. So it's fairly even there. Of the seven games they have left in the season, six of them are against quality teams, uh, whereas Colorado uh, has seven games left and five of them against quality teams. Interestingly, both wild cards right now coming out of the Central because Arizona's out. That's true, yes. So right now, uh, a lot of the teams that are going to be playing uh, each other are familiar to each other. Um, we have next the Nashville Predators in second place in the uh, Central. They would play St. Louis. Yeah. And St. Louis has Nashville's number this season. So yeah. St. Louis has the edge there. And we'll see. Nashville has six games left, only three of them against quality teams, whereas St. Louis has seven games left, but only three of them against quality teams. Ah. So that's interesting, I think. Uh, and uh, the Calgary Flames would play Dallas out of the Pacific. So Dallas would cross over into the Pacific and play Calgary. Uh, right now, Calgary's record against Dallas is 0-1-1. Huh. And Dallas's record against Calgary is 2-0-0. So Calgary did manage to sneak a, a mercy point out of one of those games so far. Uh, San Jose would play Vegas. And right now it's 1-2-0 for uh, San Jose against Vegas. They, ho they hold a 2-1-0 record against the Sharks. San Jose plays seven more games, only three of them against quality teams. Vegas has five quality team uh, games out of the seven they have left to play. Uh, Calgary, uh, I, I miss Calgary. They play seven games, only two of them against uh, contending nice. teams. And we have to put in a special mention, I think, here of Arizona as well. They're not far behind. They're just knocking on the door, basically uh, 
right there. They're only one point back of uh, Colorado. They have seven games left, only five or a full five of those against quality teams right now. So uh, it's not out of the picture yet for Arizona to come back and uh, get back into the playoff hunt. But this next, well, obviously the next two weeks will tell the tale. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, very. All right. Yep. Uh, special honorable mention, uh, because it's a local news, the Charlottetown Islanders are now in their first round playoff series. Right. I was going to actually ask you about that off camera. Oh, okay. How are they doing? They're doing well. They played Friday night and Saturday night. On Friday night, they went into double overtime. Oh. Double overtime before uh, winning the game against the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. Last night, a little more decisive, but they won in regulation. So the Charlottetown Islanders are up 2-0 on Cape Breton in their series. Good. There's lots of series going on. There's no way to cover them all. but, But the local team is doing good so far. Remember last year, I think they, they drew Halifax. They barely made it into the playoffs. Drew and, Halifax and then swept them. Uh, yeah, and then they was. beat someone else. Beat and the Quebec Empire, I think. Went to the conference finals and went to game seven overtime, yeah. I think, or something like that, and almost went to the Memorial Cup. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And Bathurst ended up going to the Memorial Cup and winning the whole darn thing. Yeah. So, so Charlottetown's been putting some good, I think this is the, there's been several years in a row now that they've made it's the postseason. Yeah. yeah. So good for them. Uh, anyways, yeah. So thanks for um, joining me for this podcast. Thanks, guys, for and guys and gals for listening and watching. Regardless if you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes or whatever, we really appreciate you can the way that you consume our content. Uh, coming up this week on Post to Posts is uh, an unboxing of some merchandise. You'll see that probably tomorrow. Uh, you will also see the jersey giveaway from February. You will also probably see a mail time video later in the week. And as far as content on other channels, uh, because of my ankle, because of my injury, it's been a, they've taken a bit of a backseat, unfortunately. I thought that I was going to be able to keep up, but um, it's quite painful to keep my foot uh, down and not elevated. So I haven't really been eager to really come down and uh, film a lot of content. But things are getting better on a daily basis. So uh, the worst is over and it's only going to get better from here as far as content. Um, so that's good news. Uh, I know that people will ask questions about my ankle. So instead of answering them all in, in the comment section, I'll just give you an update. Uh, Wednesday, I did go to the hospital to get my surgery cast, if you want to call it that, removed. Um, and I got my stitches out and uh, I got a normal cast on which is fiberglass and it's blue. I got to choose my color, which is kind of fun. (laughs) And uh, I'll have this on for two weeks until April 1st or just under two weeks. I go back to the hospital for x-rays. Depending on what doctor is there and depending on my x-rays, the cast is either going to come off and I'll get a walking boot. And it doesn't mean I'm going to be able to walk. I'm not going to be able to walk for like three months minimum. Um, but at least I'll be able to, if I want to sleep, I can take the cat, the walking boot off and sleep without a, without anything on my foot, which would be a dream come true at this point. Um, or I'll keep the cast on and in two weeks and I'll have to wear it for an additional two weeks after that. And then it'll come off and then I'll get the walking boot and wear that. So, uh, the timeline is still basically the same. Uh, I can probably start putting weight on it in about three months, uh, full weight in three months. And I'll be doing lots of physio and probably not walking unassisted for five to six months. So uh, that's that's basically the update. So 
Did you post pictures on Instagram of x-rays and photos of scars and um, things somewhere? I think I posted on my personal Instagram, N-E-I-L-T-A-Y-L-O-R-R. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I believe I posted um, an update in my hike highlighted stories. I have one called Ankle. If you click on that, it shows you most of everything. Uh, it is... At the end, I think, is the one I posted of the x-ray that I that they took after my surgery, right after the surgery. It shows everything. So there's three plates and 14 screws in the ankle. And I think you can see them all in the photo. But, yeah, that's what it is. And I, you were saying that the stitch removal process was the stitch, uncomfortable. The stitch removal process was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I've had stitches removed before, and it hasn't hurt that bad. Uh, the way that normal doctors or old doctors do it is they make a stitch down the incision, stitch, 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 like a, each each one is its own knot or whatever. Uh, the way that they're, the trend seems to be going is that they're making a stitch at the one end of the, of the incision and then weaving up the incision all the way to the other end and then stitching. So in my case, that's what they did, unfortunately. And the weaving or the string or whatever you want to call it, ended up healing into the incision itself. So they had to untie the stitches at both ends and basically pull pulled all the way up through. But it's because of that string or the, the stitch is starting to heal inside the incision, it won't come, come out. So they actually have to take tweezers and literally dig into the incision to get the uh, string out. And it was, it was by far the most painful thing that I've ever felt. I'm sorry I asked. Yeah. Um, I have photos of my incisions. I have not posted them on social media because they're a bit gruesome. Uh, I didn't want someone to accidentally see it and be it, come upset or whatever. So uh, uh, you can't see that on Instagram. You can't see that on Twitter or anything like that. I will, if I can remember, I will include it at the end of this podcast after everything goes dark. So if you if you want to see the incision photos of what my ankle actually looks Stick like. Stick around. When this podcast ends in a few seconds, uh, stick around and wait for the slideshow at the end. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or, or not. If you don't want to see it, then stop now. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys very much for watching, watching and listening. If you are not subscribed, hope you can hit the subscribe button uh, down below. That would be awesome. I am going to take the opportunity, hopefully the, over the next week, to tell the story of my ankle on the second channel. So uh, please uh, subscribe there and... and uh, Keep an eye out for that. So thank you guys very much. I hope you're watching lots of hockey and we will see you in the next podcast. Adios.